We talk of Christ, we rejoice in Christ, we preach of Christ, we prophesy of Christ, and we write according to our prophecies that our children may know to what source they may look for a remission of their sins. This is episode 7, uh, Doctrine and Covenants, section 12 through 13, and Joseph Smith History, verses 66 through 75. And the, the title of the lesson is, Upon You, My Fellow Servants. And we're studying it February 8th through 14th. Um, I really enjoyed this lesson and studying it. And <laughs> I'm kind of excited that I can have more time to study it. Because I have really enjoyed studying and, and getting more familiar with the priesthood and the history of the priesthood. So I hope you feel the spirit that I felt as I was studying First, I want to share the teaching tip from the primary manual this week. It says, be flexible and listen to the spirit. Don't feel like you have to use the ideas in this outline. You know the children you teach. Ask Heavenly Father to guide you to the best ways to help them learn gospel doctrine and build their faith. Heavenly Father sent my children to me. I know them the best. And when you are a primary teacher... And you're working with kids, you're set apart, and you have been given authority to receive inspiration and revelation to help your class as you're teaching them. So rely on that and let Heavenly Father guide you and help you as you prepare your lessons and also just as you're doing your personal study. I have had a lot of experiences lately, probably because I've been thinking about... Um, the gospel lessons and, and as I've been studying, my kids will, you know, come and say, well, mom, what are you looking at? Or what is, what is this thing that you're looking at? Um, my son yesterday saw me looking at, I was reading an article or, uh, it may have just been the lesson, but it had a picture of the, the statue in Harmony, Pennsylvania of, um, John the Baptist, um, giving the ironic priesthood to Joseph and Oliver. And my son was asking me what it was. And so I started telling him. And I was like, this guy right here is John the Baptist. And he's like, I know who that is. I was like, who is he? And he's like, he baptized Jesus. And he got so excited. And it was really cool to talk about that with him and to be able to share with him and like tell him the story. And I was grateful that I have had the opportunity to study more and to put more effort into understanding um, the scriptures so that I can share a testimony with my son when those opportunities arise. And I know that Heavenly Father has blessed me with um, opportunities. And I'm, I'm grateful I acted on that. Instead of just telling him it was a statue and moving on, I talked to him about what the statue was and why it was important and what the history was and where, you know, why someone made a statue out of that. So it's kind of a cool, cool thing to, to focus on with him for a little bit. So I wanted to share with you. So this week I started listening to and I've only listened to like two episodes so far but it's so good and I want to tell you about it the priesthood restored a Joseph Smith papers podcast it's similar so I think I told you on here about the the first vision podcast that was out um came out a couple years ago and I listened to that and it was really good and I loved it and so when I saw this one I was excited to start listening to it and especially since this week I was studying about the priesthood I started it and it was really good because it helps you understand the background and what the world was like at the time, which helps you understand why having priesthood authority was important and and kind of 
opened my eyes to maybe some of the politics in the world at the time. And it just kind of spoke peace to my heart about some of the things that, you know, troubled me. You know, like we talk about blacks and the priesthood and that sometimes seems controversial and as to when they were they received it in relation to other people being able to receive it and I I just kind of felt at peace as I was listening to it and a few things in my head I was like well maybe you know maybe that circumstance was the reason or maybe this is part of why you know things happened the way they did and I just kind of was at peace because I was like I, we we always criticize but I don't think we we don't understand and even people at the time in Joseph's day maybe they still didn't even understand some of the whys as to why Joseph was told no or maybe he didn't ask I don't know but um we don't understand that and it's not our place to worry about it so I want to talk about the objectives for this lesson I had a friend who um one of my teaching friends and she said, I really liked when you talked about objectives and what the purpose of the lesson is. She's like, do you remember doing I can statements? And I don't, I hadn't remembered because I think I had been done teaching before um, our school started pushing for the I can statements. But she said that they had to write I can statements on the board for every lesson so the kids would understand that at the end of the lesson, this is what they should be able to do. So I decided to write the objectives for this lesson in I can statements. And I have three of them because for me, I kind of broke it into little kids, a little bit older kids, and everyone else, <laughs> mainly adults, for me, because this was my objective for myself. Okay, so I'm going to start with the little kid objective. So, and it's very simple. I can understand what the priesthood is and how it blesses me. The little bit older kid, their objective is, I can identify blessings that are made possible because the priesthood was restored. And then my objective for myself, and so I decided to include it because I think it's important for all of us to think about this. I can appreciate the restoration of the priesthood for the miracle that it is in my life and see the blessings that come because God has allowed his power to be on earth again. And I hope you feel close to spirit as we're going through these things today because it's so powerful as you allow the Lord to teach you about the priest. All right, I wanted to give some background as to what's going on in the these sections and um, Joseph Smith history will is the background a little bit too. So um, as you read that, you'll understand where it's coming from. But if you understand the background of section 12, so in the Individuals and Families Manual, there's a link in there if you're doing it on your phone or computer or whatever that can take you to the, it, it, it's so good if you're doing it where you are interactive because there's so many links to background stuff um, in the Doctrine and Covenants this year. It's important to understand where people are coming from because the Lord gives a revelation and you're like, I don't even know who this person is. And I really like that it will, it, you click on that and it will tell you who this person is and kind of the relevance of them in um, church history. So in section 12, it was a revelation given to Joseph Knight Sr. And um, in the manual, it talks about, it says Joseph Knight Sr. and his wife Polly met Joseph Smith when as a 20 year old, he began to work on their farm in Colesville, New York. Joseph Knight described him as the best worker he'd ever had. 
He believed Joseph Smith's testimony about the gold plates and took Polly to visit Joseph Smith while he was translating the Book of Mormon at his home in Harmony, Pennsylvania. She immediately believed. For the rest of their lives, Joseph and Polly remained faithful to the restored gospel. More than 60 members of the Knight family joined and helped establish the church in New York, Ohio, Missouri, Nauvoo, and eventually Salt Lake City. Joseph Knight wanted to know how he could help in the work of the Lord. The Lord's answer is now Doctrine and Covenants 12, and it pertains to all of us. I loved the story of Joseph Knight and his wife, because um, Joseph spent a lot of time with them and, and had really close relationship with that family. Um, if you understand the background of, of where he's coming from. These people had such strong testimonies and I love because so many of the stories in these early days of the church like Martin Harris and Oliver Cowdery they fell away from the church but I like to read these stories of people who they brought their whole family and they stayed with the church forever not everyone in their family forever stayed at the church probably but they were such good examples to their posterity and it's a great example to us of the legacy we can leave when we um, share our testimony with our family, and we stay with the church. All right, and so when studying Doctrine and Covenants 12, this was the part that stood out to me that would be great to study with the kids. And it was an idea in the family scripture study and home, the ideas for family scripture study and home evening. And it says, so the verse, uh, Doctrine and Covenants Section 12, verse 8 says, And no one can assist in this work except he shall be humble and full of love, having faith, hope, and charity, being temperate in all things whatsoever shall be entrusted to his care. So the question that goes along with this verse says, Why are the characteristics listed in this verse necessary when we are doing the Lord's work? And I decided to kind of go through each of those characteristics and put a definition with it because... As adults, we often think we know what the words mean, which we often do, but I think connotations have gotten in our heads or whatever, and so I think it's sometimes good to get back to the basics of understanding the definition, but also helping, if you have the definition in front of you, it might help your kids understand what these words mean too. So the first word is humble, and the definition of humble is having or showing a modest or low estimate of one's own importance, and that goes along so much with selflessness. I think if you focus on other people's virtues and recognize that they're children of God, you're going to be humble because you're recognizing that no one is better than anyone else. And I think that right there is humility to me. The next one is have faith. The definition of faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. I love that. Um, and faith to me is trust. And I love that it says complete trust or confidence. And if you put that in, you have complete trust or confidence in the Lord, that shows what faith is. And the next one is have hope. Hope is a feeling of expectation and a desire for a certain thing to happen. Or another definition is a feeling of trust. And that kind of goes back to faith. It's that feeling of trust that help. And that's why faith, hope, and charity go so hand in hand, you know. Because you must trust, first of all, 
that something's going to happen. And then you have that feeling and that desire. And then we talk a lot about desire and um, there's so many good references to desire. It's powerful. So um, having a desire for those things to happen. Um, and then charity. And charity was a hard one for me because <laughs> we all know that charity is the pure love of Christ. And I have loved studying charity so much. And so defining charity is really hard. Because when you look it up in the dictionary, I feel like it doesn't give it credit. And the one that the definition that was the closest to what I was going after was the voluntary giving of help, typically in the form of money to those in need. And I like the voluntary giving of help. It kind of in, um, it shows a sense of love, right? And I found another definition that I liked um, somewhere else. It was kind of just talking about charity and not necessarily giving a definition of it but it was kind of defining it by saying effective altruism is the use of evidence and reasoning to determine the most effective ways to help others and altruism is selfless concern for the well-being of others and that is very synonymous with charity so if you think about that you use evidence and reasoning to determine the most effective ways to help others and I want to add in there and the spirit, if you use evidence, reasoning, and the spirit to determine the most effective ways to help others, I think you're going to have charity for them because you're wor you want to help them, not necessarily teach them something or not necessarily, you know, prove to them that they're, if they didn't do such and such a thing, they wouldn't be in this, these circumstances, but you're actually trying to be effective in helping them. And synonyms with charity are love, selflessness, brotherly kindness, concern, compassion. I think all those words can help help us understand charity. All right, the last characteristic talked about being temperate. And being temperate is um, showing moderation or self-restraint. And how important is that? I think um, so often we get so zealous in a, on our path and it's important to to show self-restraint but I think also when we aren't a temperate sometimes we overpower the spirit or we overpower those in whom we're serving and I think we need to be humble enough to recognize that they have something to offer but also restrain yourself so that others can shine and so it goes back, why are these characteristics necessary when we are doing the Lord's work? And if you think about that, if you think about trusting in Him, believing in other people, loving other people, putting others first, and restraining yourself, I think that is going to help you as a leader let those around you shine. Um, but as you're talking to your kids about this stuff, you could talk to them about how those things will help. Um, it's funny because we have this conversation with my children so often, but <laughs> they are obsessed with video games. And um, my boys, I guess I should clarify, my girls don't play video games yet. Um, but my boys are obsessed with video games. And they, we, we tell them all the time, there's nothing wrong with video games. It's the amount of video games you play. And if you want to be effective in doing good in the world around you and doing the things the Lord wants you to do, playing video games all day long is not an option. You need to 
show moderation. <laughs> you need to use some self-restraint and put some time and effort into serving others or playing with your brother or going outside and finding a friend or um, just recognizing things in the home that need to be taken care of. And all those things are serving the Lord and helping him. Um, anytime you um, are in the service of others, you're in the service of, of God, right? And so if you teach your kids that serving others and putting others first and recognizing the good in them, which is what a lot of these characteristics tie back to, that is how we can serve the Lord. All right, section 13 is awesome, <laughs> but it gets into the priesthood. So I'm going to go back to the, the background to help us understand where we're coming from for um, section 13 and Joseph Smith history. So as Oliver Cowdery and Joseph Smith were translating the Book of Mormon, they were reading, uh, and, you know, and um, I mean, how cool would that be to be the first person to read the Book of Mormon <laughs> as they're translating it? I think about that sometimes when I'm reading the Book of Mormon, just the, uh, lately, because I've been studying about Joseph Smith and the translation, and I've been like, wow, how cool would it be when you got to this part, and this is the first time anyone had read this, and you're reading these words for the first time, and like the spirit and the power that comes into your life when you're doing this? Wow. <laughs> like, pretty exciting. Um, anyway, so they get to the part about when Jesus comes to America. So they're in Third Nephi, and Jesus is teaching about baptism. Um, and this is quoted from um, saints. This is, as they translated, Joseph and Oliver were struck by these teachings. Like his brother Alvin, Joseph had never been baptized, and he wanted to know more about the ordinance and the authority necessary to perform it. On May 15, 1829, the rains cleared, and Joseph and Oliver walked into the woods near the Susquehanna River. Kneeling, they asked God about baptism and the remission of sins. As they prayed, the voice of the Redeemer spoke peace to them, and an angel appeared in a cloud of light. He introduced himself as John the Baptist and placed his hands on their heads. Joy filled their hearts as God's love surrounded them. Upon you, my fellow servants, God, John declared, In the name of Messiah, I confer the priesthood of Aaron, which holds the keys of the ministering of angels and of the gospel of repentance, and of baptism by immersion for the remission of sins. The angel's voice was mild, but it seemed to pierce Joseph and Oliver to the core. He explained that the Aaronic priesthood authorized them to perform baptisms, and he commanded them to baptize each other after he departed. He also said they would receive additional priesthood power later, which would give them authority to confer the gift of the Holy Ghost on each other and on those they baptized. After John the Baptist left, Joseph and Oliver walked to the river and waded in. Joseph baptized Oliver first, and as soon as he came out of the water, Oliver began to prophesy about things that would soon happen. Oliver then baptized Joseph, who rose from the river, prophesying about the rise of Christ's church, which the Lord had promised to establish among them. Following John the Baptist's instructions, they returned to the woods and ordained each other to the Aaronic priesthood. In their study of the Bible, as well as their translation of the ancient record, Joseph and Oliver had often read about the authority to act in God's name. Now they car carried that authority themselves. After their baptism, Joseph and Oliver found that scriptures that once seemed dense and mysterious suddenly became clearer. Truth and understanding flooded their minds. I'm sorry I had to read all of that, but it's just put in words that I, it was hard to summarize. And I wanted to say all of it. And, and the, quote, the quotes from the scriptures are um, powerful. Whenever you read from the scriptures, it, the spirit comes. So I wanted to read that. Um, I want to go back a little bit and talk to you about some of the 
thoughts I had as I've been studying this week. I wrote down some thoughts that are not in the manuals, but just things I wanted to share. Um, I felt so close to the spirit this week as I studied about the priesthood. Um, this is a topic that President Nelson has encouraged the women to study lately, and I'm grateful that um, when I have taken the time to study about the priesthood, that I understand it more, I have more appreciation for it, and I love it. I'm so grateful that it's been restored, which I remember growing up and my dad would always go in in the spring in May, usually, <laughs> they would have a priesthood commemoration event in our stake and, and the men would all go and either be a fireside or they would do some kind of like, I don't even remember some of the things, but they'd always do this commemoration thing in the spring. And I started thinking about it. I was like, why do the men get to celebrate it? The priesthood blesses all of us. We all should be having priesthood restoration celebrations. So hopefully we, we find ways to celebrate the restoration of the priesthood in our own lives because it is so exciting that God's power is on earth and in, through it, we can all receive the blessings, um, that the Lord has, has, um, authorized through his priesthood. So I wanted to read some things that, cause I've been studying a little bit because this is one of those topics that can be controversial and I don't want anyone to feel like I glossed over their feelings about the priesthood. I want to talk a little bit. Um, I read a talk by Elder M. Russell Ballard, and he quotes himself from April 2013 General Conference. He said, In our Heavenly Father's great priesthood-endowed plan, men have the unique responsibility to administer the priesthood, but they are not the priesthood. Men and women have different but equally valued roles. Just as a woman cannot conceive a child without a man, so a man cannot fully exercise the power of the priesthood to establish an eternal family without a woman. In the eternal perspective, both the procreative power and the priesthood power are shared by husband and wife. The Lord also declared to, um, when um, Joseph Smith organized Relief Society, he said, um, in a revelation, the Lord said, I now turn the key to you in the name of God, and this society shall rejoice, and not, and knowledge and intelligence shall flow down from this time. I love that when the Relief Society was organized, it like open these gates in he from heaven you know like knowledge and intelligence shall flow down and he he's giving them this power as we um participate in the relief society um sarah kingsley cleveland who was a counselor to emma emma smith expressed women's sense of divine authorization when she said we design to act in the name of the lord emma smith called upon each member of the society to be ambitious to do good, declaring that together they would do something extraordinary. She anticipated extraordinary occasions and pressing calls. And the women um, organizations had presidencies, and they were organized just like the priesthood, and they were delegated with priesthood authority. And then Elder Ballard, uh, going back to that talk, he said, Why are men and not women ordained to priesthood offices? President Gordon B. Hinckley explained that it was the Lord, not man, who designed that men in his church should hold the priesthood, and who endowed women with capabilities to round out this great and marvelous organization, which is the church of, church and kingdom of God. The Lord has not revealed why he has organized his church the way he has. This matter, like many others, comes down to our faith. 
Do we believe that this is the Lord's church? Do we believe that he has organized it according to his purposes and wisdom? Do we believe that his wisdom far exceeds ours? Do we believe that he has organized his church in a manner that would be the greatest possible blessing to all of his children, both his sons and his daughters? I testify that these things are true. I testify that this is the Lord's church. Women are integral to the governance and work of the church through service as leaders in Relief Society, young women in primary, through service as teachers, full-time missionaries, and temple ordinance workers, and in the home where the most important teaching in the church occurs. And then further down in Elder Ballard's talk, he says, When men and women go to the temple, they are both endowed with the same power, which by definition is priesthood power. While the authority of the priesthood is directed through priesthood keys, and priesthood keys are held only by worthy men, access to the power and blessings of the priesthood is available to all of God's children. I love studying about the temple and the blessings that we can receive from the temple, and I also love studying about the priesthood, and not surprisingly, they're actually one and the same. And this is why when I study about the priesthood and I've been learning about it, I just want to rejoice and celebrate and just exclaim just how excited I am that these blessings are even available to us here on earth. And so often we take them for granted. So I hope you, from this lesson, don't take any of this for granted. Um, all right, I want to go back to the um, ideas for family scripture study and home evening. Um, it talks about uh, the in Joseph Smith history, um, verse 68, it says, We still continue the work of translation when in the ensuing month, May 1829, we on a certain day went into the woods to pray and inquire of the Lord respecting baptism for the remission of sins that we found mentioned in the translation of the plates. So the question in the manual says, How can we follow the example of Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery to find answers to our questions? Perhaps as you read together, you could make it a regular habit to pause and ask if anyone has questions about what they're reading. Now, this is a great practice as a parent when you're doing scripture study to ask the kids if they have questions. It will probably also encourage them to listen, but it's also setting up a good study habit of when you have a question, it's good to get it answered instead of just continuing to read on and trying to finish reading your scriptures. But instead, focus on um, being able to um, understand what you're reading. All right. Another thing, the Individuals and Families Manual and the Family Ideas um, section, it says, Oliver Cowdery, well, it, it talks about um, when, all, when at the end of Joseph Smith history, there's a note from Oliver Cowdery. And Oliver Cowdery described the events as this. He said, these were days never to be forgotten. So what impresses members of your family about Oliver Cowdery's words? And what are some of your family's days never to be forgotten? Now, there's a whole thing you can read that's Oliver Cowdery's words, but I wanted to focus on these because that's what the question talks about. And I love, I mean, he talks about days never to be forgotten. I mean, all of the experiences that Oliver Cowdery had, I am just in awe of everything he experienced. Of course, I mean, they wouldn't be days I would never forget being able to sit and listen to the Book of Mormon and watch Joseph translate and feel that spirit and to um, be present when Joseph, uh, John the Baptist appears and, 
and um, gives you the Aaronic Priesthood and being the first person to be baptized in this dispensation. Um, Oliver definitely had some great experiences. And so I started thinking about things in my life that are days never to be forgotten. And now is a really great time as this week, as we're thinking about the blessings that we've received through the priesthood, because a lot of my days never to be forgotten are days that I've been blessed by the priesthood. And so one of the things, one of the suggestions in one of the manuals says to write down, to write down your experiences and your blessings. And I mean, these are days never to be forgotten. You should write it down. So I encourage you to take the time to, to, um, journal about some of these things and some of your blessings and share with your family the days that are never to be forgotten in your life. I felt like we had something missing in this episode, so I decided to talk to my son and record some of our conversation. So I hope you enjoy me telling him a little bit about the restoration of the priesthood. Do you know who John the Baptist is? Um, no, but can you tell me about him? I can. Should we show you a picture of John the Baptist? Yeah. See this guy right here? Do you know what he's doing? Baptizing? No, see this? He's an angel. What is this uh, angel doing? Where are his hands? Where are the angel's hands? On his head. Who do you think this guy is? Um, Joseph? Yeah, that's Joseph Smith. And the angel has his hands on his head. Do you know what he's doing with his hands on his head? What? Have you ever seen someone do that before? No. Have you seen anybody with, put their hands on someone else's head before? No. You probably have. When daddy gives someone a priesthood blessing, he puts his hands on their head just like that. And when somebody else gets the priesthood, the people that hold the priesthood, don't touch it. The people that hold the priesthood, this what? angel right here, had the priesthood and he's giving it to Joseph Smith. Okay. You know this angel is? Can I show you a picture of this angel? Yeah. This is a picture of the angel when he was alive. This guy right here. What is he doing? Oh. What's he doing in this picture? Baptizing. Who's this? Jesus. He baptized Jesus. His name is John the Baptist, and he had the priesthood, and so he was able to baptize Jesus. And then when Joseph needed the priesthood, he came to Joseph Smith as an angel and gave the priesthood to Joseph Smith. Is that pretty cool? Yeah. And then Joseph, because he had the priesthood, you know what he got to do? What? He went out in that river right there in the picture. See that river? Yeah. Do you know what he did in the water? What? Baptized? Yeah. He baptized this guy. His name's Oliver Cowdery. And Oliver Cowdery baptized him. Yeah. Because they both got the priesthood, so then they could baptize each other. When Weston gets baptized, Daddy will baptize him with the priesthood. And then after, the Daddy and some other people who hold the priesthood will put their hands on Weston's head and they'll give him the Holy Ghost. <laughs> so he'll get to have the Holy Ghost as his constant companion. Is that pretty special? And yeah! That, that will be your special gift when you get baptized. Cool. <laughs> Alright, the next section comes from the primary manual. It says, John the Baptist restored the Aaronic Priesthood. So, a question that you should consider for yourself. How will learning about the event of the restoration of the priesthood bless your children? 
and the children you teach. I think it's important to think about why you're doing it because it will help you have more power in your teaching. So it says, invite the children to share times when they have seen someone get baptized or receive a priesthood blessing. How did Joseph Smith or Oliver Cowdery receive the priesthood? If they saw someone get baptized, they're seeing the same thing that happened with Joseph Smith. They were baptized by a priesthood authority. They said the same words. They went under the water. You can talk about um, that parallel. And it says, share the story of the restoration of the priesthood. This is something, there's a couple ways you can do that. You can um, do, there's like a video on the church website, which is great to use for that. Or you can use the, um, the scripture story picture, you know, like the narration, or you can read the book, the, um, the illustrated stories. I can't remember what it's called right this minute. Anyway, or it says you can invite a man to come tell the story as if he were John the Baptist, reading to the children what John said to Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery. And it also says you could read the scriptures, read together Joseph Smith history, verses 66 through 72, and then have the children draw pictures of what the verses describe. Then let the children tell the story using their pictures. You could invite someone to share an experience when he or she saw someone be ordained to a priesthood office. How is that similar to the way Joseph and Oliver were ordained? They'll probably talk about someone who has the priesthood, puts their hands on someone who doesn't, and then gives it to them, right? And a lot of the words are very similar, too, if you talk to them about um, the wording of what jo John said. Um, something else you could do is help the children learn a song about the priesthood, such as the priesthood is restored. And it says, move to the music. You can use props to help them proclaim this truth. And if you haven't listened to my bonus episode about music, um, it's awesome. You should totally give it a listen. And um, I really like, and I've been trying to use music more in my family, but I like the words to this and I wanted to read them because I want you to see that the the gospel truths that are being taught in the words of the song it says the priesthood is restored the truth made known to man that god has spoken to the earth his power is here again i love that it teaches the kids that it's god's power and that it's here and it's on the earth i love that and i love that the truth is here because of the priesthood um you could also find and show pictures of John the Baptist baptizing the Savior and restoring the Iraq priesthood and invite the kids to share what they know about John the Baptist and what they know is happening in the pictures. It's cool to make that tie that it's the same person, which is what I did with my son earlier this week. It was, it was good for him. All right, the next section is called I Receive Blessings Through the Iraq Priesthood. A cool object lesson you could do is you could put pictures of uh, baptism and the sacrament in a container that you have to have a key to open. And then you talk about why keys are important. And then you let the kids open the container with the key. Um, and then you can invite the children to read Doctrine and Covenants 13. And find words and phrases that teach them what blessings come from the Aaronic Priesthood. It's one of the important parts of this lesson is to talk about the blessings. And why we should be grateful for the priesthood. Um, another thing is... You can show the video Blessings of the Priesthood, which is on the church's website. It's probably also linked on the, in the manual. Um, and while you're, um, or after you watch the video, you can ask the children to identify ways people in the video are blessed because of the priesthood. 
um, for the little kids. It says, help the kids learn the phrase, the priesthood is God's power. And it says, while you're doing that, have the kids clap as they say each syllable. This is great. Um, as you study child development and like child psychology or like educational psychology and understand like how, how kids learn movement and rhythm and all those things are so powerful when it comes to teaching them things. So anytime they can move and clap and do a beat which is why music's really good too. So you teach the kids the priesthood is God's power and you clap it, um, it's going to stick in their head and they're going to go home and they're going to say the priesthood is God's power. Um, sorry, I'm saying this like we're going to primary, but we won't be going to primary anytime soon. I'm just imagining <laughs> kids coming home from primary and clapping that all day long to their, and it, it's good because that is important for the kids to learn. Something else we can do is you show an item that needs a battery to work, like a flashlight or a remote control or, um, and then it says, or you can record your memories of those events, which I kind of talked about earlier, but I really like the idea of getting back to, if you wrote about when you got baptized and sharing that with your kids, because that's you when you were their age and you could talk about the feelings and the emotions you had when you, um, experienced that. Um, also talking about when you, um, went through the temple or were married or, um, any of the other um, ordinances that you received, it's it's really powerful when the kids get to hear those experiences, and it's going to reconfirm to you how you felt and remind you of those blessings. So the last question says, what blessings have you received through priesthood ordinances? And I want you to think about that this week, because as you ponder on those things and you are really thanking the Lord for those blessings... That's going to come through in your teaching of the kids. Um, if they know that this is something that you appreciate and something you love and you you recognize the blessing it is in your life, the kids are going to see that and then they're going to have reverence for it and they're going to have gratitude for it and they'll be excited that they get to participate in ordinances through the priesthood because you appreciate it. Model airplane, I don't know, something that you need it doesn't work unless you put a battery in it and you teach them that like the battery can bring power to the item the priesthood brings god's power into our lives you can share your testimony of the blessings that have come to you because of the priesthood um and then sister carolyn stevens i was reading her talk which is linked in the individuals and families lesson um it says she's the former counselor in the general relief society presidency um, and she said, the priest, these priesthood ordinances and covenants provide access to the fullness of the blessings promised to us by God, which are made possible by the Savior's atonement. They arm sons and daughters of God with power, God's power, and provide us with the opportunity to receive eternal life, to return to God's presence and live with him in his eternal family. And I love that because I think that right there is why it's important to focus on the blessings and the and show our gratitude for the priesthood because it's through the priesthood that we are even able to access the atonement and that we're able to have eternal life we we wouldn't receive any of those things if it weren't for that power that is the priesthood um 
something it talked about in the family manual, which I really like. It says, consider reading journal entries you may have written after receiving ordinances. All right, in the younger, this section for the younger kids, there's a section called, I can be baptized. And I really, I got excited because I think I've shared this before, but my oldest is getting baptized this year. And so I got excited because this is the time to talk about this and get him excited and to help him appreciate what this means. So it says to show the video, Restoration of the Aaronic Priesthood, which is in the manual and on the church's website. This is a, a video that depicts Joseph and Oliver going out into the woods and praying and then going and getting baptized in the Susquehanna River. Um, it says, pause the video occasionally to ask the children questions such as, why did Joseph Smith and Oliver Calvary go into the woods? And I like that it pauses and asks these questions because it's helping the kids think about um, how they could react in this situation, right? If you have a question and you say a prayer, you go somewhere private. Um, and when you read the scriptures, sometimes you get questions and you can ask, you know, like you can talk through these things as a family. Um, another question it says you could ask is how do you think Joseph and Oliver Cowdery felt after they were baptized? Ask them to share how they think they will feel when they're baptized. I'm excited to do this lesson with my son. <laughs> um, another thing you could do is tell the children about Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery being baptized. Um, and then you can emphasize the joy that Oliver and Cowdery felt as you're, you can read the story or, you know, like as you're telling them, but I remember when I got baptized, I, I just felt so happy and so clean and just that warm feeling that you feel after you participate in priesthood ordinance. And I am excited to tell my kids about that. And I don't know if I've ever told them about my baptism before. So I'm excited to start talking to my kids about this. Um, that's one of the examples next is tell the children about your baptism. And it says invite them to draw a picture of what they think will be, it will be like on their baptism day. So uh, invite them to draw a picture of themselves being baptized one day. Here's another part of the conversation I had with my son. We talked about what the priesthood is, who holds the priesthood, and some of the blessings we get from the priesthood. So here is some of the insights with that from the eyes of a five-year-old. What is the priesthood? Do you know what the priesthood is? Can you make a guess? Is it... Do you know when people use the... Do you know who who has the priesthood? Jesus. Jesus has the priesthood. Do you know anyone and else? And Heavenly have, Father. Yeah. Do you know anyone else has the priesthood? Grandma. Grandma doesn't have the priesthood. Grandpa. Grandpa does. Hiram. Hiram has the priesthood. <laughs> who in our family has the priesthood? Dad. Daddy has the priesthood, yeah. Do you anybody that does has the priesthood when we go to church? They do every time we go to church, there's something that happens that they use the priesthood. Do you know what they're doing when they use the priesthood? Who has the priesthood? There? Uh, there's some boys that have the priesthood. Do you know there's some boys at church that do something every week? What do they do? <laughs> Bring bread. Yeah. What is that called? And water. What is that called? Um. Uh, 
I don't know. It's called the sacrament. Oh. Do you know that the boys that pass the sacrament have the priesthood? I think so. Can you think of other things that people have to have the priesthood in order to do? Uh, yeah. Like what? Get baptized. Yeah. You have to have the priesthood to baptize people. Yippee! William. What? How do you feel when you take the sacrament? Good. Do you feel a warm feeling inside? Yeah. Do you like knowing that you can get baptized someday? No. Are you going to get baptized when you're eight years old? Yeah. Does that make you happy to know that you can get your sins washed away? Yeah. <laughs> you will. All right, the last section is the Holy Ghost can help me understand the scriptures. And I really like that the manual says this might be encouraging to children who might find the scriptures difficult to understand. And um, the... The part in the scriptures where it talks about this is Joseph Smith History 73 through 74. It says, Immediately on our coming up out of the water, after we had been baptized, we experienced great and glorious blessings from our Heavenly Father. No sooner had I baptized Oliver Cowdery than the Holy Ghost fell upon him, and he stood up and prophesied many things which should shortly come to pass. And again, so soon as I had been baptized by him, I also had the spirit of prophecy. When, standing up, I prophesied concerning the rise of this church, and many other things which connected with the church and this generation of the children of men. We were filled with the Holy Ghost, and rejoiced in the God of our salvation. Our minds being now enlightened, we began to have the scriptures laid open to our understandings, and the true meaning and intention of their more mysterious passages revealed unto us in a manner which we never could attain to previously, nor ever before had thought of. In the meantime, we were forced to keep secret the circumstances of having received the priesthood and our having been baptized, owing to a spirit of persecution which had already manifested itself in the neighborhood. Now, this last verse here just was really um, hopeful to me. I love that it talks about, says our minds now being enlightened, we began to have the scriptures laid open to our understandings and the true meaning and intention of their more mysterious passages revealed unto us. I love that because have you ever had that experience when you're reading the scriptures and you see something and you understand it in a totally new way? I really appreciate the times in my life when I've taken the time to make sure I'm close to the spirit and and really been studying the scriptures and understand them. Um, I like that the, the mysterious passages revealed unto us. And sometimes you feel like there's some mysterious passages in the scriptures. But as you read them and you have the Holy Ghost with you, you can understand them. And that's what this section is about, is to teach the kids that when they have the Holy Ghost and then they invite the Holy Ghost to be with them, that they will be able to understand them as well. Um, the object lesson that it suggests says, bring a simple puzzle to class and invite the children to put it together. As they do, ask them how reading the scriptures is similar to putting together a puzzle. Um, something else it says we could do. It says, invite the children to share what helped Joseph and Oliver understand the scriptures. 
What can we do to seek the help of the Holy Ghost as we study the scriptures? I like this question because I've been thinking about that because I appreciate those times that I feel the Holy Ghost and I'm reading the scriptures stronger than others. And I'm like, why Why is it that sometimes I read the scriptures and I feel close to the Holy Ghost and I receive these answers and I can understand things better and other times it's hard. So I started thinking about what makes the difference. And I think for me, it's going into it with the right frame of mind. And a lot of times that involves praying, not being rushed. I'm so rushed sometimes because I'm like, okay, my kids are being good. <laughs> I'm going to sit down and read my scriptures really quick. But if I take the time to give my kids the attention they need and, and get everybody settled on an activity that I feel like will be good for them and we have some calm, peaceful music going on sometimes helps. And then I can sit while my children are doing their activities around me and I can feel the spirit as I read the scriptures. Some of my best experiences I've had lately, I mean, when I mean lately, I mean like in the last year, <laughs> have been um, when I've been reading the scriptures and writing my impressions in my scripture journal and following along with the Come Follow Me manual and um, really pondering on what I'm reading and trying to liken it to myself. That is a commandment we've had in, in the Book of Mormon. It says to light get in the scriptures unto us. So think about that as you're reading the scriptures and how these things pertain to you in your life. And invite the Holy Ghost to be part of your scripture study. And if we are setting the example of doing those things for our kids. And they see that we are making this a special occasion to sit down and read the scriptures. They're going to recognize that and hopefully they will follow in our example. I deliberate about this sometimes because I'm like, okay, is it more important that I like, you know, get some scripture study read rather than nothing? Or is it more important that I um, try to make it a good experience for myself? And it's hard. It's hard to find that balance as a parent because so often I'll put the effort into trying to have a good good experience and then I don't get anything read because... <laughs> You know, things blow up in my face before I'm able to even start reading the scriptures, even though I've tried <laughs> to create a good atmosphere. But other times I just need to to read, read it quick and get, you know, get a little bit of the spirit in my life, even if I'm not trying to understand the mysteries. And um, I think the Lord sees both of those efforts and he will bless us for both of those, even though they're very different. But I promise that if you're making an effort, you're going to be blessed for your effort. Um, so I really liked this thing because I kind of want to do it myself. It says, invite the children to make a bookmark that they can put in their scriptures to remind them to seek the Holy Ghost help when they need. And I started thinking about bookmarks that I would make for myself. And um, I, don't, I think I've told you this before that I kind of have gotten into calligraphy a little bit. And so it's fun for me to make stuff like this, things that are meaningful. And, and, um, I've learned a little bit lately about the power of words, the words that we have in our home. Um, if you just have, um, words around you that are, you know, like you just have, you, you just have like food boxes in your pantry and you have like storage boxes in your closet and stuff. But if they have words on them, your brain is going to see those words. And so those, those words are just in your mind, right? Even though you're not like consciously reading them, 
These are just things that kind of clog up the like space in your brain. Um, but if you surround yourself with really wholesome words and you just have these words around you, those are going to be the words in your brain. So I've made an effort to only have words that I see on a regular basis that are uplifting. And so the idea of putting a putting together a bookmark that can help remind me to seek the Holy Ghost when I read the scriptures. I love the idea of doing that. Um, so it says that it encourages you to let the kids, this is probably mostly the older kids that could do this, but the younger kids too, as you're reading, but it says, find a phrase in Joseph Smith history, verse 74, that they could write on their bookmark. And I think letting the kids pick their own phrase is awesome because it will help them, first of all, listen for this, listen to the scriptures and think about the words they're reading and, but also let them have an experience with receiving, you know, the Holy Ghost in their lives because as they're reading it, they're going to feel something. I really appreciate reading this, this lesson this week. It's been really powerful to, in my own life. I hope that we all realize what a blessing it is to, to have the ordinances and the priesthood power that is here on earth because of Joseph and Oliver Cowdery and their desire to um, ask a question. There's so many blessings that have come out of the questions that Joseph asked. And I know that the Lord is anxious to pour out blessings upon us and to give us opportunities to come back to him. And if we... If we just turn to him, he will pour out knowledge and the spirit and so many blessings. I hope you guys um, take some time for yourself to study about the priesthood. There's so much in the individuals and families manual that I didn't even get into because it's just so, there's so much of it. <laughs> and I felt like a lot of it was a little over the kids' heads this week. Um... So I focus mostly on the primary stuff, but I want to encourage you to study, do some personal study this week with the priesthood because it is something to understand. It's something to, to make sure that you, um, don't take it for granted. In my personal study this week, I was thinking about things that in, in our doctrine that a lot of people struggle with because I was reading about murmuring (laughs) And I read a talk that was, was really powerful talking about the, the slippery slope we go down when we start murmuring and complaining. And one of the things he said is if there is a topic that our general authorities talk about and you get annoyed that it's being talked about, or you get frustrated or you get mad, that is a sign that you don't understand the mysteries of God and you need to pray and you need to ask for your heart to be softened so that you can understand and you can be taught to understand the concept so that it's not something that irritates you. And I know that can be true with the priesthood for a lot of people because they don't understand or they don't appreciate it. I'm grateful that I live in a day and an age where the priesthood is on the earth. I'm grateful that we have a living prophet that holds all the keys. I'm so grateful 
to be a woman in this church. I know that Heavenly Father loves me and that I'm a beloved daughter of Heavenly Father. And I know that that's true for each and every one of his children. He loves each one of us individually and he wants to give each one of us the blessings of eternal life and exaltation. And I hope that each of you can feel that from him and you can recognize when the Lord is telling you that in your heart. I hope you have a good week and enjoy telling your family all about the restoration of the priesthood. I also hope you have a great Valentine's Day. I will see you or talk to you next week.